Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. It's been a little while, but I've got another promo to share with you this evening. We've secured a handful of digital copies of A Quiet Place Part 2, and I'd love for you to win one. The first movie was a bigger hit than I think most people really expected, including myself. A fresh take on the creature feature we've all come to know and love and Part 2 picks up right where the first one left off. I think it's easily one of the most anticipated thrillers of the summer. I wasn't sure what to expect going into it, being a sequel and all, and it was actually my first time back at the theater since the pandemic started. But it did a great job of expanding the world they built in the first film and setting the scene for more. Part 2 follows the Abbott family as they're forced to leave the family farm and face the terrors of the outside world, both monstrous and human. Starring Emily Blunt, Killian Murphy, and Jamon Hansu, it was the perfect chilling thriller to cool off on a hot summer night. The home release also includes exclusive bonus content featuring director John Krasinski, where he takes a deeper look into the world of a quiet place. You can get it in stores on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray on July 27th, or win your digital copy right here. Keep an eye on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'll be posting a handful of times over the next week. All you have to do is follow, like, and comment to be entered to win. Easy peasy, right? Also, if you've got a few free minutes, don't forget to head over to the People's Choice Podcast Awards and cast your vote for Tales to Terrify in the fiction category. That's podcastawards.com, and you'll find us in the fiction category. It would be so great to bring home some recognition for the authors, narrators, and staff that do so much work to bring this show to life each week. Again, podcastawards.com. Last but not least, next week we'll have something special for you. At long last, 
the winners of our Spring Flash Fiction Contest. Four stories and a poem based on the haunting painting titled Boy's Head by Gustav Guasdecki. If you need a refresher on the inspiration for our contest, go to talestoterrify.com slash flash contest for a peek at the painting. Just don't blame me if its hollow eyes burrow deep into your soul and haunt your waking nightmares. Speaking of waking nightmares, let's see what we can conjure up for you this evening. We've got one story for you this evening, which comes from Laura DeHaan. Laura DeHaan is very quiet and definitely not behind you. For a full listing of her stories, check out IamInYourEyeBrain.com Children of the Night, join me for Laura DeHaan's When You Love Someone, first published in Body Parts Magazine, 2014. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Sweeter than corn, more precious than water. Would that I could have a sweet, precious daughter. So prayed the farmer. He lived in a small village with his wife and their three sons. It was a good life and a happy one, but the farmer still wished for a daughter. Each morning he would walk the long walk to the well in the woods, and there he would sink to his knees and ask the forest fairies to grant him a baby girl. No fairy ever came by, and the farmer would rise and return home with only a bucket of water. On one day, on his way to the well, he met an old woman out walking her dog. Her dog was small and scraggly, and sometimes she pulled it forward, and sometimes she had to yank it back. "'Good morning, Grossmutter," the farmer said politely. "'And what are you doing out here, away from the world and its worries?' the old woman said." The farmer was about to say he was on his usual path to the well, but this morning the forest looked darker, the trees thicker. 
I came here to ask the forest fairies to give me a daughter. The old woman snorted. Forest fairies, she said. You're wasting your time. Most of them have been eaten, and those that still live are hiding so deep a thousand pickaxes wouldn't chip them out. The farmer's shoulders drooped. Then I suppose no one can help me. I didn't say that, the old woman picked up her puppy, and the farmer saw how the dirty length of string had cut into its neck. A raw redness slunk under the fur. You can try asking a witch, although they're not much inclined to be helpful, since they've traded their hearts for magic and only stones thud in their breasts. Or, and I don't recommend this, you can ask the wolves. Wolves, said the farmer. One of those beasts? What have they ever done? Well, said the old woman, and she smiled with iron teeth. They're the ones who ate the fairies. The farmer reared back at the sight of her teeth. The old woman clacked her jaws and laughed when sparks flew out of her mouth. Never ask a wolf for help, she said, and set down her puppy. The farmer saw how its fur was not its own, merely the skinned hide of some small animal thrown atop it. The old woman climbed on and drove her knees together, making the creature expand and belch. It was not a puppy at all, but a partially filled stomach with a string tied around its esophagus. Of course, you'll never have a daughter elsewise, but you mustn't ask the wolf for help. She leaned into the farmer and ground her metal teeth and laughed in his frightened face. Ask the wolves. The stomach contracted and took off, flying the old woman away with it. The farmer dropped to his knees, trembling. A witch! Surely that had been a witch telling him to talk to a wolf. The farmer didn't know which was the more untrustworthy ally, or even if either could be called so benign a word. As for the fairies, was it true? Were they dead? Forest fairies, the farmer whimpered. Are you there? Can you help me? There was a wolf behind him. The farmer turned his head and nearly fainted. A giant wolf watched him its hot breath steaming in the morning air, smelling like old meat and dried blood. "'They cannot help you,' the heavy voice sounded in the farmer's head, and he knew the voice was the wolves. "'The witch! The, the witch! She said to ask you to bring me a daughter,' the farmer whispered. "'Yes?' "'She also said I shouldn't ask you.' "'Yes?' "'What can I do?' Regret. The farmer choked back a sob. He felt unbalanced, unsure. The very ground seemed to heave beneath him. I already regret that I have no daughter, he managed to say. Should I exchange one regret for another? They are yours to do with as you please. The wolf stood, shook itself, and turned away. The farmer raised his hands, dropped them, at least tell me if we've struck a bargain. The wolf glanced over its shaggy shoulder. No! The wolf disappeared into the forest. The farmer felt the path grow familiar again. Wearily he threaded his way to the well, resigning himself to return home with only a bucket of water. His wife and children greeted him when he came home. Such a strange morning, he said, but would tell them no more. That night, the farmer lay in bed with his wife. In half his dream state, he walked the forest path. "'Will you love her?' said a voice. The farmer couldn't tell if it belonged to the witch or the wolf, though he thought he smelled fur and corpse breath. "'Of course,' said the farmer, knowing they spoke of his daughter-to-be. "'Will you love her?' the voice asked again. "'Of course,' the farmer repeated. Will you love her? The farmer stamped his foot. Even if she were a monster, born from your flesh, I would love her as my own, he cried. There was a pause. She will be found. The farmer woke well before dawn and ended the night holding his wife very close. The next morning, the farmer fetched water from the well as usual. His wife was waiting for him when he came home. 
Good morning, he started to say, but she held her fingers to his lips. Don't speak, she said. Don't question, not yet. But I think it will be a girl. And she dropped her hand to her belly and smiled. The farmer dreamed again that night. Ten years, said the voice from the forest. You must know what she is, and hold her secret close, and love her for ten unbroken years. I would do so for a thousand, the farmer declared. There was a chuckle, and sparks flickered between the trees. You won't. Nine months passed. The children cuddled around the farmer's wife as she sat in the most comfortable chair in the cottage. "'When do we get to see her, Vati?' asked Christian, the eldest son. "'I want to hold her,' said Luca, the youngest. "'You drop her,' said Felix, the middle child. Their father laughed and stroked his wife's hair. "'Soon,' he promised. "'Wait only a little longer.' Luca placed his head against his mother's swollen belly. Hello, Kleine Schweister, he said, and jerked away. Ah! What is it? said the farmer. His wife clutched her abdomen. She kicked. That's all, she smiled. I think I should be off to bed. The farmer kissed her forehead. So should you boys, he said to his sons. Off you go now. He tucked them snugly into their bed and went to cradle himself to his wife. He nodded off. He couldn't remember when, and awoke to hear a voice he hadn't heard in almost a year. It was low and heavy, and smelled of corpses. "'Will you love her?' "'Yes, yes,' muttered the farmer, and rolled over to hold his wife. It had become his custom to rest his arm across her grandly outsized belly, but this time his arm fell into a peculiar hollow. The hollow was wet, and smelled of corpses.' With a low cry, the farmer pushed himself upright, and his hand sank into something squishy and still. In the dim light of morning, all colors were one color, and no shape looked natural. One small shape shifted away from the larger bulk and crawled to him on all fours, across the meat-sodden bed. It did not crawl the way a baby crawled, with the awkwardness of something new, but with the deliberate prowl of a predator. Bits of the mother hung from the baby's mouth. She stopped at his knee, and they looked at each other. The sun crept cautiously into the window and slipped its light into their eyes. The baby winced, and the farmer saw how fragile she was, just like any baby. With a shaking hand, he wiped bile from his daughter's lips, and she took a playful bite at him. She had no teeth, but her gums were as sharp and bony as an eel's. I love you, he whispered. He said it as he bundled up what remained of his wife and took her out into the forest. He said it as he dug her grave and lowered her in. He said it as his baby girl patted the newly turned earth with plump, eager hands, and he said it as he held the shovel and thought about burying the daughter with the mother. His thoughts said she wouldn't starve for a while, while his lips said, I love you. I love you, he said to his sons when they awoke, but by then the words had lost all meaning. Rotblut was a beautiful girl. Her brothers were naturally grieved by the unexpected loss of their mother, who died, their father told them quite truthfully, in childbirth. But the presence of their new baby sister helped to ease their sorrows. They doted on her, including her in all their games and wanderings, and if she kept up remarkably well for a child her age, well, she's our sister, they would say. All was well and peaceful for the next six years, until the farmer's chickens started to die. There must be a wolf around, said the villagers, and the farmer agreed the what wolf would eat only the soft, chewy organs and leave honest flesh behind. He spoke none of his thoughts, and it was his eldest Christian who offered to watch the coop one night. Let such things be, said the farmer. Even wolves have to eat. Christian, by now, was a lad of eighteen and not about to be frightened off by the beasts of the forest. It's all right, Vati, he said. I'll hide in the loft just to see what's to blame. 
The farmer couldn't talk him out of it, and that night Christian climbed the ladder and lay straw over himself to watch their flock in secret. The next morning the farmer asked him privately, "'And what did you see?' The young man was pale. "'Vati, I swear I saw none other than my own dear sister take a chicken from its nest and open its belly with her teeth.' "'Lies!' cried the farmer. "'To say that about your own sister?' Get out of my house. You're no longer welcome at my table. And he threw his son out to fend for himself in the forest. His brothers were saddened when their father told them that Christian had left. But he's a grown man and in charge of his own regrets, said the farmer. The chicken still died. One month later, the middle son, Felix, asked to stay in the chicken coop overnight. The farmer tried to talk him out of it, but like his brother, Felix was not to be discouraged. "'I'll hide in the loft just to see what's to blame,' he said, and that night he climbed the ladder. The next morning the farmer asked him privately, "'And what did you see?' Felix sobbed. "'Vati, I swear on our mother's soul I saw darling Rotblut take a chicken from its nest and open its belly with her teeth.' "'Shame!' cried the farmer, to curse your mother with your lying tongue. Get out of my house. You're not welcome at my fire. Luca was saddened when his father told him that Felix had decided to follow Christian into the forest. But he's old enough to care for his own regrets and live with what he knows, said the farmer. The chicken still died. One month later, Luca, the youngest son, asked to stay in the chicken coop overnight. At that, the farmer could no longer hide his tears. "'For the love of God, Luca,' he said, "'don't stay in that chicken coop. "'There is nothing to see. "'Forget this foolishness and let things be.' "'I'll be in no danger,' said Luca. "'I'll just watch, that's all.' The farmer knelt to place his hands on the boy's shoulders. Luca was only twelve and small for his age. "'It's not your safety I fear for.' he said. To my shame, I threw your brothers out when they could not keep a secret. I will have to send you away if you cannot keep the secret either, and you are too young to wander the world. You said you didn't fear for my safety, said Luca. He was small, but his mind was sharp. Rotblut, whispered the farmer, your sister. If you hide in the chicken coop, you will see what your sister is. And when you tell me it is her tooth marks on the chicken's carcass, I will have to call you a liar and send you away, for you cannot know. I mustn't tell you. My God, ten years of secrets to keep safe a monstrous, bloodthirsty bitch. Luca gasped. The farmer shook the boy's shoulders and continued, Ten years of silence, and she will become human. Ten years! It is not so long, is it? If you love someone... But Luca's gasp was not for his father. The boy stared over his father's shoulder until the farmer was forced to follow his gaze. In the doorway stood little Rotblut. "'Hello, Touchter,' said the farmer, and turned back to Luca with bright, fevered eyes. "'Lie to me,' he begged. "'When you come back, lie to me that you saw nothing. You love your sister, don't you?' He straightened and walked to Rotblut. "'Who's daddy's best girl?' he said, and scooped her up in a hug. They walked out the door, and after a minute Luca went to the chicken coop. Luca stayed in the loft all night, and the chickens remained unmolested. In the morning he went back inside the house. He saw his father's feet first, and then his legs, and then the wet mess of his torso. Rotblut sat splay-legged on his still-intact ribs, and licked her fingers with a too long tongue. Luca held the door frame, unable to wrench himself away from the sight. A breeze stirred Rotblut's dark hair, and she looked up. Good morning, Bruder, she smiled. The farmer's organs glistened. Incredibly, the ribs rose and fell as he took a breath. His head lulled to the side, and he saw Luca in the doorway. And what did you see? The farmer breathed. Luca shook his head and his legs gave out, sending him plumping to the ground. Nothing, said Luca, and Rotblut reached into her father's body and tore off a piece of lung. She stood, 
sometimes seeming to be balanced on her feet, sometimes on toes ending in claws. The farmer stretched his lips in a rictus grin as Ruth Blute advanced on her brother. Luca closed his eyes. Nothing, he replied softly. I'd see nothing. It took nearly ten years of wandering the woods for the brothers Christian and Felix to find each other. When they did, it took no time at all to learn why the other had been sent away from home. She's a monster, said Christian. Why couldn't our father see that? We didn't see it either, said Felix. She was a good sister aside from the chickens. Besides, it was years ago. We were children. Well, she was a child. Imagine how she's grown. Her growing is what I fear, said Christian. I think of her and smell death. Felix tried to laugh. We're finally reunited, and still you think of sorrows? What shall we do, then? Go back to our village and see what horrible fate has surely befallen our family? Of course not, said Christian. Felix breathed a sigh of relief until Christian added, Not until we know how to kill her. You can't be serious, Christian smiled, and it chilled Felix's heart. We tried to unmask her by ourselves, and we were separated for our troubles. Now we found each other, and against both of us, what can she do? This is crazy, Felix muttered. Christian grabbed him by his shoulders. No, he said quietly. For almost ten years I thought I was crazy, that I had dreamed her face burrowed into that chicken's breast. We're not the crazy ones after all, you know that. And Felix had no argument for that. They went on their way, and shortly an old woman appeared in the middle of their path. A small tatty dog rested beside her, a dirty string around its neck serving as a leash. Hello, Grossmutter, Christian said politely. And what are you two skinny young things doing out in the forest with nothing on your backs but tatters and sorrows? She said. Felix shivered, though the sky was bright and the air untroubled. Christian said, There is a monster in our village. We must find a way to destroy it. Must you, said the old woman. How do you plan to do that? Christian shook his head. We have no plan. We were hoping to find someone who could help. Someone? said the old woman archly. Not the wolves, said Felix. Christian glared at him, and Felix clapped his hands over his mouth. Our father told us, never ask a wolf for help. He mumbled through his fingers. Nor forest fairies, Christian added grudgingly. He said they'd all gone away. The old woman smiled without showing her teeth. Her little dog shuffled away as she yanked it back to her feet. That narrows your choices, doesn't it? We thought maybe a prince or a questing knight. Are you beautiful maidens, then, to get their attention? The old woman laughed, and Felix felt his knees turn to water. Have you considered asking a witch? The puppy at the old woman's feet was shaped very strangely. Felix tugged at his brother's arm, but Christian only said, If we found one, we would. Then ask, said the old woman. Felix let out a low moan. Christian said boldly, Are you a witch? The sunlight disappeared like a coin from a blind man's purse. The woods were plunged into darkness, and all around them was the sound of metal clashing on metal. Sparks flew about, burning where they landed. That question was stupid, came the old woman's voice, but louder and closer and smelling of fire. Do better with your next one. The sun came back. Christian said, much more meekly, Will you help us, Grossmutter? Why should I? Felix gnawed on his knuckles. We don't have any money, he said softly. Obviously, snapped the witch. You've no money in your pockets and no meat on your bones. Even your eyeballs wouldn't be worth a spoon I'd use to dig them out. Nothing you carry is worth my interest. Why should I help you at all? Christian said even softer than Felix. Do you remember what happiness feels like? The dirty string fell out of the old woman's hand. The little dog belched and began lumping away, its fur sliding off its rounded sides. The old woman... Still staring at Christian, 
wagged a finger, and the dog thing squashed to the ground. She clicked her teeth together and finally smiled. Fair trade, she said. Christian, no! Felix reached out to his brother, but stayed his hand short of contact. Happiness is greater than vengeance. The old woman laughed loudly at that, throwing her head back so the brothers could see past her tongue to the wet, throbbing tunnel of her throat. There, she said, your brother has spelled it out plainly for you. Happiness or vengeance? Which do you think will rid you of the monster? Christian! Without looking at his brother, Christian said, Give me vengeance! Done! The old woman drove her hands into his chest. Christian bucked and flailed, but the old woman clung to him. Settle yourself, you're only making it worse. She grinned. One arm straightened, appearing to hold of something solid. There's your spine, then. And if you'll stop thrashing for a moment, her other arm worked busily, and at length she released the youth. Christian fell forward with a gasp. The old woman hugged something close to her bosom. Here's your vengeance she said, and spat three times. Three bottles fell at Christian's feet. She leaned down to his ear and whispered to him for a time. After that, she picked up the length of string and hauled her dog thing to her. "'Here's something for you,' she said to Felix. "'Your brother gave up happiness for vengeance, while you believe happy memories will save you.' She patted him on the cheek with a hand whose skin burned like acid. You're both right, though only one of you will prove it. The old woman turned away from them and hobbled off into the forest, tugging her dog thing along behind her. Felix touched his face and shuddered at the ripples left in his skin from the old woman's touch. Christian scooped up the bottles. Let's go home. It had been many years since either of them had walked the path to their childhood village, but their feet found the way. As they grew closer, a smell grew stronger, one which brought to mind small animals left too long and fed in their burrows. It was a dry smell, and it choked them. Their village was empty. "'Where is everyone?' Felix whispered. Christian shook his head stubbornly and hurried along. The smell grew stronger as they neared the shut door of their old house. I don't like this, Felix said, his voice rising. Be silent, snapped Christian. The door opened, and Rotblut stepped outside. She was a young woman now, and very lovely. As the brothers stumbled to look upon her, the air became sweeter, then savory. The village no longer seemed so alone, and birds previously silent, trilled in the forest around them. "'Bruder,' said Rothblut warmly, "'you've come back.' Christian had his hand in his pocket to take out a bottle, but Felix threw his arms around his brother and pinned the offending limb to his side. "'It's been too long, Schweister.' "'How have you been?' Felix replied, and managed to get a kick at Christian's calf. "'Keeping well? Won't you both come in and have some dinner?' You look so hungry. Christian jerked himself from Felix's grasp. We are fine, he said shortly. We are not fine, and we'd love some dinner, Felix said. Rothblut's smile was so open and friendly that Felix wondered how he could have ever accused her of devouring a live chicken. Rothblut took them both in hand and led them inside. I hope you'll enjoy it, she said. I do love cooking. A feast awaited them inside the house. Felix immediately dove into the plates and platters of delicacies. Warm bread and sausages, rice pudding and custards. But Christian held back and kept his hands inside his pockets. "'Won't you have some?' wrote Blute asked him politely. He shook his head. "'Not even some water from the well?' Christian grudgingly admitted that water would not go amiss. While Rotblut skipped out to fetch it, Christian cuffed his brother about the head. "'You're eating like an animal!' Christian snapped. Felix swallowed and said, "'But it's been so long since we've had decent food. She can cook, you know.' "'A fine skill for a monster,' Christian said, but his voice held less conviction than before. "'It's all so strange, though.' 
That's your hunger talking, said Felix, and returned to the feast. Roquelute returned, and though Christian accepted the water, he couldn't bring himself to sample the savory dishes. To ease his hunger, he drank buckets and buckets of water instead. After Felix had eaten his fill, Roquelute said, You're both tired. Why don't you sleep the rest of the night, and we can talk in the morning? Good idea, Felix yawned. Your cooking has put me right to sleep. Roquelute busied herself, making up their pallets in their old bedroom. When she was finished, the brothers went in and bade her good night. "'Sleep well, Christian,' said Felix. "'Felix,' said Christian. But his brother was already fast asleep. It was well into night when Christian woke up, his sloshing bladder demanding immediate reprieve. From the next room came the sounds of chewing and slurping. Christian reached out to the next pallet and found it empty. "'Felix must be finishing off the leftovers.' Christian thought disgustedly. Couldn't even wait till morning. He stumbled, still sleep-heavy, to the next room. You're making a fine pig of yourself, he complained. And then his bleary eyes focused on what lay inside the dining room. The platters, which previously held the soft mounds of warm bread, were piled high instead with graying brains. The rice pudding, a composite of bile and eyes, the remnants of soft custard in reality a heap of tongues decayed and befouled. The sausages remained sausages, which was no consolation, and the bucket of water, which once slaked his thirst, had clearly held liquid too red to be water. Christian felt his bladder release, and the sounds of chewing continued. You're up early. The voice was Rotblut's. She stood beside the table of gore and smiled as easily as a flower blooms. Now Christian noticed how the walls of the house were yellow-stained and moldering, how roaches scurried along the floor and winked in and out of the rushes. Evil magic, he croaked. Where's Felix? Grinning ruefully, Rotblut reached down and lifted something from the floor. The chewing sound stopped, replaced with an angry snapping of teeth. Rotblut heaved Felix across the laden table, scattering plates and organs. He died happy, she said defensively. I didn't do it. I know that made him happy. You didn't do it. Christian felt lightheaded from the sickening stench of the room. I suppose he saw what he'd been eating and cut open his own belly to get rid of the taint. A figure... Stringy-limbed and snarling, leapt onto Felix's body, sprawled across the table. It buried its head in the open cavity of his abdomen, and Rotblut stroked its head. "'You remember Luca?' said Rotblut. "'He was twelve when you left, I think.' The figure raised its blood-streaked head and glared at Christian. Its eyes were black, its teeth longer than its face, and the tongue which scraped over its chin had barbs on the end. It spoke. I saw what she did, said the thing in Luca's voice. Arvata couldn't keep her secret, but I did. She just needed someone to keep her secret for ten years, and then she'd be a real girl. And you, Christian said while thinking, this is not a real conversation. This is happening somewhere inside my mind. How can I think of such things? Did she steal your humanity for her own? The Luca thing scrubbed at its face with a horny hand. "'It's easier to keep a secret if you share it,' it said. "'She could have killed me.' "'You could have told on me,' Rotblut added, and hugged it. "'This is better, isn't it?' the Luca thing blinked up at Christian, almost pleading. "'If you love someone?' "'You murdered Felix!' the Luca thing nodded, shrugged, worried Felix's neck with its teeth. He came out for seconds, it said. What was I supposed to do when he saw what the feast really was? Christian, still reeling, still disbelieving the reality of the macabre scene, appealed to Rotblut. Felix loved you, he shouted. After all these years, he still spoke of you fondly. And in the morning I shall be very sorry, said Rotblut. There's still a little monster in me yet, I'm afraid. A little one. Very tiny, 
You know, I don't even know if Luca will be able to keep from eating me once the dawn comes and I become human. But I have been waiting for so long. Would you deny me this now? Without waiting for an answer, she brushed past him out the door. The sun will rise soon, she called. Don't you want to see it? Christian stared at a fleck of Felix on the Luca thing's chin. He backed away and reached into his pocket. Oh, it's so cold, Roteblut giggled. I don't think I've noticed before. She wrinkled her nose and squinted into the false dawn. Inside the house, the Luca thing snuffled its snout deeper into Felix. With a sudden pivot, Christian turned away from the Luca thing. His hand came free from his pocket, and he hurled a bottle at Roteblut's happy face. The bottle broke into dust. Roteblut yipped and sneezed and found herself in a tangle of briars. She batted at the prickly thorns, but her skin caught in the nettles, and she made a low, sad sound in her throat. The briars gathered thickly around Roteblut and clogged the door of the house. Christian heard the Luca thing yowling inside, but the brambles were too thick to see through. Christian himself stood in a small clearing, free from the briars. He took a step away, towards the forest, and the clearing moved with him. "'Enjoy your humanity,' Christian muttered, but the brambles shook and a shape came closer. The shape was not human. "'When it comes,' the voice was Roteblut's and it started near the ground. Yellow eyes winked up at Christian, and a long bewhiskered snout eased through the thorns by his feet. Until then I am very much content to be myself. As her paw touched the clearing, the briars disappeared. Roteblut! howled the Luca thing. Christian wasted no time in throwing a second bottle at his sister. An ocean erupted around them, Christian stood on the only dry land in sight. The water was still, uninterrupted by waves or ripples or bubbles from beneath. Something stirred under his feet. He shifted his weight, and the tremor passed from one side of the little island to the other. A patch of dirt began to hump up from below, and he stomped on it. The tremors stopped. Christian felt a moment's relief before the realization hit him to find dry land. Roteblut needed to find him first. A fountain of dirt spewed up beside him. Christian scrambled to get away from the badger-like claws. If it's like last time, he thought, the water will disappear when she's safely on dry land. But the island follows me. I wonder which of us is faster. I wonder if she breathes. With inhuman swiftness, Roteblut's monstrous body sprang from the earth. The water around them immediately vanished leaving everything dry and bewildered. Roteblut, her badger-like claws shriveling, her snout flattening, was only a few feet away, blinking at the sunlight creeping through the trees. It would be impossible to miss from so short a distance. Christian flung the last bottle at his sister. A column of fire burst in front of him. A scream rose from it, and Christian shrank back from both the noise and the heat. The fire died down, and the figure it covered died with it, shrinking and crinkling and crackling and crying. Christian watched it until it stopped twitching. He nodded once and looked up. Roteblut stared at him, terror on her human face. He saved me, she said faintly. Luca jumped in front of me, she trembled, and backed away from Christian. You monster! You murderer! You're not human! Christian's lips twisted, a thousand conflicting words crumbling the corners of his mouth. He just ate Felix! And you just set him on fire! Tears trickled down her cheeks. Luca became bloodthirsty out of love. He became what he feared to save me. She shook her head. What's your excuse for butchery? He can only gape at her as she smudged her tears with her fingertips. She pressed them briefly to her lips and incredibly smiled. Still, it's a new day for all of us. I can't expect we'll part ways as friends, but we are still family, aren't we? The thousand conflicting words immobilized his mouth and started tremors down his arms. Roteblut clicked her tongue and chuckled. 
I'm all at ends with myself. I thought I'd know how to behave around humans once I became one. But I still have no idea. I don't know whether to shout or laugh or cry or jump or... Her throat choked on itself. Christian didn't let go of the length of charred bone he'd picked up from the Luca thing's corpse. Not even when Rotblut pawed at his hand clenched firmly around it. The bone was wedged deeply into her neck, bringing her and Christian kissing close. No air could push past the bone in her throat, and Christian wondered what it was she was trying to say. Her expression when she died was confused. A child denied its toy. He let her fall. The air crawled thickly, damply over his skin, leaving behind the whiff of corpse stink. He delivered vengeance and derived no joy from it. That was the bargain. Now there was no vengeance and he was without happiness. The corpse smell grew stronger. From out of the woods, a huge gray wolf appeared, its sides mossy and snaggled with tiny bird bones. I have nothing, said Christian, and he was startled to hear himself speak, thinking his words were still crumpled inside him. Yes, Rotblut was turning human while Luca was turning monstrous. Would you have taken him in, then? Were you trading your children with my families? Yes. He shut his eyes and took a deep breath. Would you take me? No. His eyes flew open, and the breath came out violent. Then what am I to do? Regret. Christian ground his teeth. Then why did you bother coming if you're not going to help me? I came for myself. The wolf drew no closer, but Christian smelled the rot on its teeth and the musk of its fur, felt the damp air slide across his face, and knew the wolf was tasting him without touching him. He knew then why the wolf would come on its own behalf. After all, Christian had killed its daughter. End it then, Christian whispered. I did. What? De Schadenfreude, said the wolf. You are miserable. It is good. It shook itself, bird bones rattling, and faded into the forest. Unlike you, it added, as it disappeared. I chose happiness. Wait, Christian called and cried, but there was no response. And no response. And no response. That was Laura DeHaan's When You Love Someone, as read by Dan Gerzinski. Dan is a broadcast and audio engineer by trade and has worked on many projects for local public stations. Lately, he's been recording literary works for LibriVox, as well as Tales to Terrify, and has just finished narrating his eighth audiobook. Thank you, Dan. Well, children of the night, the hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Amazing fans like Kathy Robinson, aka Deadly Blonde. If you're not a supporter already, be like Kathy head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks, from ad-free episodes and bonus content, to shout-outs and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to help make it as dark and devious as possible. And we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, 
but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Now, you can share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch. TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Tee Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing, so check back often. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Pete Morsellino, Meredith Morgenstern, Brian Rollins, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we burrow deep into your soul with more Tales to Terrify. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.